The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. This morning I'd like to speak to you about a verse in 1 Corinthians 2 that I have found really encouraging. It's in verse 16, and then we'll back up and see the context, but it says, we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. One of the things that, that's really interesting is to, is to think about being made in the image of God, we recognize that God has a mind. He has the capacity to think. Now his mind, if we were to use the illustration of a hard drive, his, his hard drive's probably slightly bigger than ours, right? He knows everything actual and possible, and he does purpose and plan and think those things which flow out of who he is. But having created us in his image, he has created us with minds. And thus, with minds, we have the capacity to think, to reason, to purpose, to wish, to desire. And these minds, like little computer chips, unfortunately have become defective. Romans chapter 1 tells us that when Adam and Eve sinned, our, our minds were darkened. And so our, our capacity to, to think the right thoughts, to make the right judgments and evaluations has been distorted. Our minds are not well because of original sin. As a result of that, we have this tremendous capacity to, to put things all out of order and to not really learn how to value the things that are important. I mean, it's kind of funny when you think about valuation. If you've ever watched the Antique Roadshow, you've seen, for example, people who will bring a little something, like a little vase, they'll say, I bought this at a yard sale. I paid $5 for it. And then the guy will be like, wow, that's actually from the Ming Dynasty, and it's worth $1 million. And, and, and suddenly, the guy who sold it is ready to hang himself, and the guy who bought it's like, well, I kind of thought it was worth something. So, so the idea would be, sometimes we don't realize how to evaluate what's important, how to think the, the right way. And it's interesting because most cultures have certain things that they value, like almost every culture values wealth, almost every culture values beauty. Interestingly, the Corinthian culture, the Greek culture valued wisdom. I'm not so sure that that's probably as high of a value in American culture. Like, I don't see people wearing jerseys that go Plato on the back or Socrates. I don't think that they have starter jackets for philosophers, but in that culture, they valued highly wisdom. But because of their fallen minds, they, they had distorted their capacity to see what's really valuable. Much like I have to say, when I watch American sports, I think we are deeply distorted in our values. Like to think that we would pay someone $100 million because he's a genetic mutation and can ram a round ball through an iron ring or carry a pig stick skin, you know, and run around people. So, so I think from God's perspective, we have a lot of work to do. But one of the cool things is that God, in making us in his image, when we become Christians, it's his desire to transform us back into that original image, to become like Jesus. And the means by which he does that is very different from sometimes the way we think about it. God doesn't change us by simply going, stop this, 
start doing this, knock it off, don't smoke, don't chew, and stay away from girls that do. Often how we disciple people. But instead, what God has done for us is he's given us this extraordinary gift of the Spirit, and because the Spirit has come into our lives, we now have this new way to think. We have the mind of Christ. Now, I want us to walk through this briefly because the point that Paul's going to make is when we learn to think with the mind of Christ, our lives will be changed into the image of Christ. So let's start in verse 10 where Paul speaks of the things that God has given to us. And the first thing we learn is that for the most part, though unbelievers can't understand the things that are valuable to God, God has given us the spirit so that we can see what's on his mind. You know what you think about this? Have you ever, have you ever just sat there with somebody that you care about? And if, and if you care about somebody and they're sitting quietly, you might think, what's on your mind? What are you thinking about? Penny for your thoughts. And it's really cool when you're in a relationship with someone where you go, I knew you were thinking that, or I was thinking the same thing. We do not have the capacity to see what's on God's mind were it not for his grace, which gave us the spirit so that we can know what's on his mind. So I'm going to use an illustration. John Calvin used to use the illustration of receiving glasses. When you become a Christian, God puts his Holy Spirit inside of you to illumine you and to give you the mind of Christ so that you can see life from a very different perspective. So let's start in verse 10. It says, God has revealed to us them. Now, the them was back in verse 9, the things he's prepared for us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows. In other words, I don't know what's on God's mind, but the spirit of God does. But then look at verse 12. But we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why? So that we might know the things freely given to us by God. So if you were to ask God, hey, God, what's on your mind? He would say, the gospel, my glory through my son. And he say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, before the foundation of the world, it was my plan to call to myself a huge forever family of which each one of them individually I would elect and select, I would create them and I would call them to myself and one day conform them to the image of my dear son. And I think about them 24-7. The Bible says his thoughts toward us are more than the, the sand on the seashore. He is constantly looking individually at you and me and loving us and thinking about, oh, how, how much I wish they knew how much I love them and how much I've done for them. And in order for us to, to understand that, Paul says, God gave us his spirit so that we might know the things freely given to us by God. He's saying, look, I gave you the spirit and the word so that you could know that you are completely forgiven, that on the cross, Jesus paid it all. I gave you the spirit so that you could know that I have blessed you with extraordinary spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. 
I have given you the spirit so that you might know that whatever you are going through, you are not alone, that I am orchestrating your life with purpose. I've given you the spirit so that no matter how much Satan comes against you, you can know that I am always for you and I'll never condemn you. I want you to know the things freely given to you. And by the way, God wants to continue to freely give us grace and blessings. He loves to do that. And he has an unending supply. The Bible calls it grace upon grace. And so I want you to think of God as, as, as he looks down at you saying, I gave you gospel glasses. So, so first and foremost, you could understand that I love you and Jesus died for you. But I want you to continue to think that way because that's how I think about you. He's saying, if I didn't spare my son, Paul says, how will he not freely give us all things? So the devil tells you you're a lonely loser. The devil tells you that you're a sinning failure. The devil tells you that you don't belong in God's family, that you're not really worth that much to God. And yet God's saying, look, I gave you my spirit so that you might know the gospel glasses so that you might know what's on my mind and what's on my mind is to give to you the free things of which I have purpose to give you. Now, he says these things that God has given to us, these things we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Some of you might be able to identify with having a, a, a distant grandpop or something that would only come at the holidays. But when he came, he always brought presents. And you were excited, well, wonder what he has for me. It's kind of a way to think about, about studying the Bible. God has given us the spirit, and through the words taught by the spirit, we can begin to see the things that God has freely given to us. So your Bible classes should not be like, okay, why is God mad at me now? But rather, what has God done for me in Christ? Now, the second thing I want you to see is God gave us these glasses to see what's on his mind. But notice, unbelievers, they don't have that capacity. Look at verse 14. But a natural man, that's an unbeliever, a person who doesn't have the Holy Spirit inside of them, he does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. So notice verse 12. We have received the Spirit. They haven't. And as a result of that, they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. There are probably some of you even here right now in chapel who think, this is kind of dumb. Like, I didn't really sign up for this. Like, going and sitting and listening to somebody talk about the Bible. Like, really? But I guess that's what they do at these kind of Christian schools. If that's kind of how you feel about chapel, can I tell you that the Bible's talking about you here when it says, no wonder it's foolishness to you. No wonder you can't understand them because you don't have the Holy Spirit. And, and when people make fun of you for being a Christian, that should not discourage you. You could almost, you don't say this to them, but in your heart you could be like, thank you for just encouraging me how true the Bible is. As you sit here and mock me for being a Christian, it just reminds me of what the Bible says. You can't understand them and thus you think it's foolishness. So you don't have to just witness by your life so that no one thinks you're foolish. Witness with your lips, and they will think you're foolish, and that's okay, because they don't have the spirit. But then Paul says, 
we who are Christians, we're people of the Spirit. So if you're, if you're in this room and you know you're a Christian, you're a person of the Spirit. You have the Spirit in you. And as a result of that, the Bible calls that to be spiritual. It says, he who is spiritual appraises all things. What does that mean? What does that mean? God puts his spirit inside me and he says, look, now that I gave you my spirit, you will begin to see how beautiful the gospel is. You will see how wonderful it is to be a Christian. You will see how precious Jesus is. You will realize that having Jesus is, is so good that you wouldn't trade him for the world. You wouldn't trade him for anything because he's so precious. But in addition to that, you're now beginning to learn to think the way God thinks. So, so the idea is, having given us the spirit, God says, I will reveal to you the gospel and my blessings, and then I will give you my mind so that you will start to see the world the way I see the world. You will start to value what I value. You will start to see things very differently. And it's just a joy to watch many of you as you come as a freshman and to see how much you've changed by the time you're a senior if you're allowing the Spirit of God to change the way that you think. Now, look at verse 16. Paul says, who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? Like if I were to say to God, what's on your mind? And God began to talk and, 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 and I were to say to him, well, God, have, have, you, have you ever thought about this? In fact, I've often volunteered, because I have some pretty good ideas. I've volunteered to, to, to be part of a quadrinity. You know, I thought it would be good to, to get some of my perspectives in there. I mean, isn't that ridiculous to think that somehow we, we could give God some good ideas? Did you ever think of it from this way, God? So Paul goes, who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? And the answer is, we do. What do you mean? How do I know the mind of the Lord? He says so. We have the mind of Christ. What does that mean? His point is, I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. The Holy Spirit inside of me will reveal Jesus to me and the gospel to me in such a way that it will begin to change the way I think. And I promise you this, that when God changes the way that you think, it will radically change the way that you live. Let me say that again. When the gospel through the spirit changes the way that you think, it will radically change the way that you live. And yet, Paul's point here is not to focus on the Holy Spirit. I love what um, J.I. Packer once said about the Holy Spirit. He said, have you ever passed a beautiful building at night? We, we, whenever we sing... Um, Christmas carols, we, we picture sometimes a little white church on a snowy night, right? And we picture coming by in our sleigh, grandma's not in the way, there's no reindeer around, we're just, it's a Christian one, right? We're coming by the church on this quiet, snowy night. But bear in mind, it's night. And at night, it's dark. But how is it that we see that beautiful white church so bright, it's because there's landscape lights. Landscape lights at night on a building are awesome. 
but you never notice the landscape lights. I've never ridden by a beautiful white church on a snowy night and said, I wonder if they're GE 220 megawatt landscape lights. They're not the point. The landscape lights get you to focus on something else. And Packer's point is that's the role of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will send the Spirit and he will glorify me. He will not speak of himself, but he will glorify me. So I want you to think about this. God has put the Spirit of God inside of you. And the Spirit of God is revealing Jesus to you in ways that you will come to love him, in ways that you will come to find that he loves you all the time, that he will never fail you, and that he's faithful to you, and that he's worth serving and sacrificing for, but it doesn't even feel like sacrifice, because as Paul said, I count all things but loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ. But the point here is having the mind of Christ. So the idea is, as you go through your time here, you should be changed in the way that you think because you have the mind of Christ. As you come to your Bible classes and we pray beforehand, it's not because that's what nice Christians do. We say, dear Jesus, be with us. It's because we believe that God has stuff in this book that he wants to show us and that the words of this book will have transforming influences in my life that will cause me to look upward and bless the Lord and say, thank you, God. Thank you for everything you've done for me. Thank you that I have such security and peace. Thank you that I have such hope because I know what a loser I am at times, but yet your steadfast love and your promises of the gospel call me back to Jesus. So here's the application. Since we have the mind of Christ, it should lead us more and more to live like Christ. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Paul says, brothers, when I came to you, I couldn't speak to you as to spiritual men. I had to speak to you as to men of the flesh. Now, men of the flesh, some Bibles call that carnal, babes in Christ. So this is a person who has the spirit who has the mind of Christ, they just don't live that way. You know anybody like that? Who is a Christian, they do know the Lord, they just don't live that way. And the Bible calls that a carnal Christian. And if you spend your entire life that way, I have a different word for that. You're not a Christian. But it is possible to be a Christian but to be living very much not like a Christian, to be thinking very much not like a Christian. But that's not God's design. It's not his desire. And he's here to shake you up if that's where you are because he's got something better for you and me. So look at verse two. He says, I gave you milk, not solid food, because you couldn't receive the things of God. Now you're not able because you're still fleshly. Now what he means by that is, People who have the Spirit, we're people of the Spirit, and as people of the Spirit, we have the mind of Christ, and we have the power and presence of Christ to be people who walk in the Spirit. And as we think like Christ and the Spirit works in our lives, we can have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. But if I choose to continue to allow my flesh to dominate, then I have this disconnect. 
I'm a person of the spirit with the mind of Christ, but I'm living like an unbeliever, and Paul calls that fleshly. And he gives an example. He chooses relationships. He says, since there's jealousy and strife among you, aren't you fleshly? Aren't you just walking like mere men? In other words, you're a person of the spirit. You have Jesus inside of you. You have gospel glasses. You have the capacity to enjoy God, to love God and love others, to think God's thoughts after him, to grow in your ability to evaluate things from God's perspective and to make good and godly decisions that, that ultimately result in biblical transformation. You're becoming like Jesus. But he goes, but as it is right now, you guys are living like unbelievers. And so I want to encourage you this morning to consider that God has given you gospel glasses. He's given you and me the spirit. And the first reason we saw is so that I could know the things he's freely given to me. I just want to reinforce this. Maybe for some of you, you have not yet received the spirit of God. And for that reason, this seems foolish. If nothing else, ask God to change your heart. Because if you pay attention to half the songs we sing, that's the point. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? What is it that causes me to gain an interest in the Savior's blood? It's because God gave me his spirit. What caused me years to spend in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified and knowing not it was for me he died? What caused me to change? Because God gave me his spirit. What caused me to say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. What caused me to see? Because God gave me the spirit. And so I want to encourage you to just praise God that he enabled you to meet Jesus at the cross. Could somebody say amen before the dead in Christ rise first? He gave us the spirit so that we could know Jesus and value and continue to visit him at the cross. But ultimately, the result of that is so that I can learn to think like him. He gave me the spirit so that I could have the mind of Christ, which finally will live, lead to me starting to live like him. So I want to challenge some of you to live in the flesh. You don't have to wonder if you're living in the flesh. Paul goes, the deeds of the flesh are evident. And he starts with sexual sins. He goes, immorality, impurity, and sensuality. So if you're living in sexual sin, you're in the flesh. You're living in relational sins, anger, jealousy, strife, can't get along with these morons around you. You're living in relational sin. You're living in the flesh. Drunkenness, idolatry. There are many ways that we, we walk in the flesh. But the point is, we act and think just like unbelievers. And that's not what God has for you and me. He has made us people of the spirit to be a school of the spirit to have young people and professors and staff who are growing as people who think like God thinks, who see things the way God sees things. And the only way we're gonna do that is as we take this book in and believe God's promises and respond to them. So let me give you a couple things to think about. Number one, don't ever stop praising God for your gospel glasses. Don't ever stop praising him for that. There are thousands of songs that remind us what a blessing it is that God even as Mark just said, that God should call me to himself. So continue to praise God. Lord, thank you. There's billions of people prancing around on this planet. Most of them were lost and could care less about you. If you care about Jesus, it's because he first cared about you. So praise him for that. Number two, continue to use your gospel glasses. One of my students one time said to me, Mr. Allen, do you realize that in class the other day when you were teaching, you took your glasses off 37 times? 
and I said, maybe you should have been paying attention to what I was teaching, right? <laughs> Use your gospel glasses. Whenever you read the Bible, whenever you get with the Lord, ask him, Lord, would you speak to me? You have given me the spirit. What a new way to look at your devotions. Not so you can find out something you're doing wrong. God, show me something that you have freely given to me that I either didn't know about or I forgot about. Remind me how good it is to have Jesus. Continue to depend on your glasses. When you pray before class, mean it. When the professor bows his head, say, yes, God, I want you to speak to me. Show me something. I mean, think how crazy it is. When we get bored with the Bible, that's insane. When your favorite song comes on the radio, do you go, turn it off, I already know this song, right? And yet I know my own wicked heart. Sometimes like, yeah, I already read this passage. Ask God like David, open my eyes, Lord, to show me something wonderful from your word that we might see students excited about their Bibles. Amen? Anybody excited about the Bible? And I don't wake up every morning going, oh, I can't wait to read the Bible. Sometimes I have to slap my sorry self and say, go sit down and read the Bible. So I don't want to put myself up on a pedestal like every day I long. I'm not the psalmist. At midnight, I don't rise because of your righteous ordinances, but I want to. Third, remember the goal of your gospel glasses. God didn't give you gospel glasses so that you could prance around and say, look how much I know. I read the Greek and I have memorized scriptures. He has given us the mind of Christ so that we might become like Christ. I know a lot of people who know a lot about the Bible and they're jerks. So if I have the mind of Christ, Lord, help me to develop a humble, loving, Christ-like lifestyle. Amen? I have the mind of Christ, a humble, Christ-like, loving lifestyle. Let's thank God for the gift of the Spirit, for our gospel glasses. And let's pray. For those of you that have been walking in the flesh, that's what you were doing. This is what God wants for you. This is what God has for you. And for those of you who are trying to walk in the Spirit and grow, may God bless you, and may he use you until not a single person in this school is walking in the flesh. Amen? Amen. Father, your word is good, and I need to hear it. And I am so thankful that you plucked me out of my blindness, my foolishness, my inability to value what's really important in life, and that you caused me to be interested in Jesus, and that you created in me the capacity to see that he's more wonderful than anything this world offers. And yet, Lord, left to myself, my mind drifts back to the flesh, and I think stupid, selfish thoughts, and I think about things that aren't that valuable, and I waste time on what doesn't matter. Lord, would you awaken us with a fresh sense that we, as the Cairn family, are people of the Spirit who have the mind of Christ, who have the ability to know the things freely given to us by God, Help us to think with the mind of Christ and ultimately to become like Christ. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.